What's going on, everybody? This is episode 15 of Outside the Glass, and I'm your host, Thomas Robertson. Very excited to get into this slate of NHL topics that we have for you today. Uh, We also have some international hockey topics, obviously, as the Olympics are going on right now, so we're going to get into that. We're going to get into uh, a Seattle expansion update. We all know that uh, Seattle is the most recent recent team to be applying for expansion uh, as the Vegas Golden Knights just got accepted and are in their inaugural season. Uh, the Maple Leafs are on fire, and we're going to talk about them a little bit. And we're going to talk about all kinds of NHL news on the show today. So buckle your seatbelts, get ready. We're going we're gonna to touch on a lot of things today, and we're going to start with the Olympics. So going away from the NHL for a little bit and going completely away from the NHL because, as you all probably know, the NHL and the Olympic Committee are clashing pretty heavily. Um, There was a huge debate as to whether the NHL should send their players to the Olympics or not. Uh, They ultimately decided to not send their players, and that caused a pretty big uproar, a lot of upset players as well as fans, and rightly so, as when you watch a spectacle like the Olympics and such an important event, it's supposed to be the best players from their country representing their nations uh, at the biggest level. And unfortunately, that's, that's not what's happening in hockey this year, as the best players from around the world are trapped in the dictatorship that is the NHL. I wouldn't go that far, but you get the point. Um, basically, the, re- the primary reason why the NHL didn't want to send their players was because it would require around a 17-day break in the NHL uh, in the middle of February, which is one of their best times for ratings. The NFL has just ended and the MLB is yet to begin, so it's a big time for the NHL in terms of getting sports fans to watch that wouldn't maybe maybe wouldn't normally watch hockey. So I understand from the business standpoint why they wouldn't want to to send their players and and put the league on hold. But at the same time, the NHL kind of has to take a back seat here. They have to understand that it, it's more important that the Olympics are are bigger than them. They're more important. And it means so much to the players. Without the players, the NHL is absolutely nothing. So I think it's unfair for the NHL committee, Gary Bettman, to be able to decide the fate of the players and whether or not they can represent their country. And it's it, it, it's just not... It, it's. It's unfortunate that that it had to come to this, and I understand. You know, the Olympics probably the Olympic Committee probably had their fair share of stubbornness as well. It's two big time organizations clashing over whether or not the NHL players are going to play. But again, it, it, it's more important. Yes, these these leagues, the NFL, NBA, NHL, are all money making machines. But when it comes down to it, it's all about the sport, the fans, and the players. And what's best for the sport, the fans, and the players is that these players, the best players from around the world, get the opportunity to represent their country. It's only once every four years. It's not like you're giving up that quality TV time every year. It's just once every four years. And I I don't see it as fair. And another thing is that 
the NHL has started this this bye week uh, into their scheduling over the past couple of seasons. And the way they did it this year was absolutely ridiculous. They they had every team in the NHL go on five to seven day break. And it was like right before the All-Star break, which made absolutely no sense. So why not fit those games in there? Right before the All-Star break is still a very good time for the NHL in terms of ratings. You still That's still the primary focus in sports, that and the NBA. So why not just take away that bye week and then let the Olympic break serve as the bye week for these teams. It just the the scheduling with the NHL has always been a big problem. And this is just the latest example of it. So I, I think there was definitely a way to get around the, the spectacle that we had over this controversy, whether the NHL should send their players or not. But unfortunately here we are and it's still made for it's made for maybe an even more interesting Olympics, but I still don't think it's good for either entity in terms of ratings, um, especially the Olympics. But we'll get we'll, we'll get into the the coverage of what's going on lately. We got three groups right now, so if you're not familiar with the format, it's three groups, four teams each, and start off with uh, kind of a round robin group play. And then no one gets eliminated. Everybody makes it into the elimination stage. But depending on how well you did in group will determine your seeding. So right now, Group A features Canada, the Czech Republic, who are both tied at uh, atop the standings in that group at three points. Uh, each had a regulation win. Switzerland and South Korea sitting at the bottom of that group with zero points each. And those, that group is the only group so far to only play one game each. So, again, Canada, Czech Republic, going to be the top two teams coming out of that group, no question. Uh, Switzerland, they, they've got a decent, a decent hockey history. They, they produce some decent players, so they could, uh, they could give, they have the potential to give a team fits early in the in the elimination period. Um, South Korea is not going to be a player at all. They, they've got something like a minus eight goal differential or somewhere in that ballpark. But again, Canada and Czech Republic teams to watch coming out of that group. Group B, we have a very interesting group with, with some some solid teams. United States is leading that group right now with a regulation win against Slovakia last night. 2-1 win, very close game, defensive game. And uh, young college kid Ryan Donato was able to score both goals for the U.S., to lift the United States over Slovakia. Huge win as, again, they're 1-1-0. They had a overtime loss to Slovenia in their first game, which was very concerning for a lot of fans. But they are able to bounce back and get the win over Slovakia. So they're at the top of the Group B with four points. OAR, Olympic athletes from Russia, 1-0-1, sitting at three points. Slovakia... 1-0-1 as well, also sitting at three points after their loss to the United States last night. And Slovenia, with their overtime win over the United States, still sitting in last in Group B with two points. But this is going to be an interesting group to continue to watch as they play their last handful of games. USA is going to is definitely going to make some noise 
has a chance at the podium, but Olympic athletes from Russia as well. They have two of the two of the highest skilled players in the entire field with Pavel Datsuk and Yulia Kovalchuk. So those two players alone make this team absolutely a threat. Even when NHL players have been allowed in the past to play, Russia normally has a, a weaker defensive core, but always is very strong offensively. And that, 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 that stays the same even without the NHLers competing. So it's going to have to be those skilled offensive weapons for Russia that carry them. But again, with their pedigree, they certainly have a chance to do so. Uh, Slovakia has the size to give any team fits. They're very physical, and they they really get to those dirty areas, get in front of the net. So they're going to be an interesting team to watch as well. Slovenia, I don't think, is going to really cause anybody too much too much harm, besides the United States, of course, in their first group game. But that's going to be an interesting team. I think you have three teams right there with the USA, Russia, and Slovakia that all have a chance to to make it deep into the elimination stage. And then you got Group C with two powerhouses in Finland and Sweden, sitting at the top with six points each, two regulation wins each. They are yet to play each other. Germany and Norway sitting at the bottom with no points. So what you'll see here is you got a lot of marquee matchups still remaining in the group stage. In Group A, Canada and the Czech Republic are yet to play. The United States and Olympic athletes from Russia in Group B are yet to play. And then obviously Finland and Sweden in Group C. So there's going to be a lot of exciting hockey left just in the group stage. And then we move on to the elimination stage where obviously things uh, ratchet up in intensity. And it'll be very fun to watch. Even though, you know, I I harped on a lot about the unfortunate decision to leave the NHL players out of it. But just because it's the Olympics and the stage that, that it is, it still makes for very exciting hockey. And there's so much passion that it's always fun to watch. But again, I do think it will hurt ratings for the Olympics. I don't think that nearly as many people will be interested. But if you do turn on, turn it on, tune in, it's, it's always very exciting to watch Olympic hockey. So we will keep you updated on the Olympics Tune into the website, puresportsnetwork.com. We will have Olympic coverage on the website, and we will continue to give you updates on the podcast next week. Uh, That's going to do it for our Olympic coverage this episode. We're going to move on to some big news in the league. Seattle has officially sent in their application to become the NHL's 32nd team, Uh, along with the paperwork with the application. They also... Uh, sent in a $10 million down payment to the NHL. So it's looking very promising right now. Barring disaster, Seattle is going to be the next expansion team in the league. The goal is for Seattle to enter the league in the 2020 to 2021 season. So still two full seasons after the current season that we're in before we would see this team enter competition. But it's very exciting to think about, especially with what Vegas has done this season. I'm sure Seattle is not very happy about what Seattle's done this season because it caused the expansion fee to increase dramatically. But again, barring disaster, it's, it's looking like Seattle is going to be the next expansion team. In the next few weeks, the next development is going to be a season ticket drive being held in Seattle to prove to the league that the interest is there 
And we all know the interest is there, especially since the Supersonics got ripped away from Seattle. There's been a huge anticipation for a new pro team to come into Seattle, especially during this time of the year. They have the Seattle Mariners and the Seahawks, but during this time of year, there's a gap, since they don't have NBA or NHL, there's always that gap for them. So there's been a huge anticipation and again, the league just needs to see in a concrete financial form that they're able to sell tickets. And I don't think they'll have a problem with that. They do have a Seattle has a very rich hockey history, even though they haven't had uh, that NHL team. They were actually the first American team to hoist the Stanley cup uh, as part of the Pacific coast hockey association uh, again, the first U.S. team to hoist that Stanley Cup in 1917. So that, that hockey history is there. And again, anticipation has been super high in Seattle to get a new team there and playing uh, in the key arena. Vegas had no problem impressing the league with their season ticket drive. So again, all those reasons, I think, lead me to believe that Seattle it's a foregone conclusion that their season ticket drive will go fine and they will be the next team to to be playing in the NHL. And it's very exciting, um, especially, again, with what Vegas has done. I really look forward to seeing a new team on the ice. Uh, really, I mean, it may just be, uh, you know, the, the college student in me. I'm very excited to see those those jerseys and that new brand to enter the league it's always so fun to watch expansion drafts always a fun time uh, even though there always is that nervousness that panic from from other teams in the league who are they going to snatch up but it's going to be awesome expansion's always one of the most exciting things uh, for any sport and again that expansion fee has increased rapidly uh, Golden Knights paid $500 million for their team. Now Seattle's going to have to pay $650 million, which I don't think is very fair. Uh, just because Vegas has been successful, it, it costs the next expansion team. But that's how it works. And again, that key arena renovation also going to be $600 million. So the owners are all in paying over a billion dollars for this new team. And... Again, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch and realignment could be also on the horizon when this team enters the league because right now, since Vegas entered the Pacific, Seattle will have to come into that central division and that geographically doesn't make very very much sense. So, it'll be interesting to see uh, Seattle probably going to be getting moved to that Pacific division and then maybe the Oilers, maybe the Flames getting moved to that central that would be a quicker fix. They could do full-scale realignment on a larger scale to try to make a to make it even more practical. But either way, changes are definitely on the horizon in the NHL, and it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, in terms of current teams in the league, we got the Toronto Maple Leafs on a very hot streak right now, nine one and zero in their last ten, and they've won five in a row. So. They're clicking on all cylinders right now. They are they're dominating teams and they're putting a lot of goals on the board. That's how this team absolutely has to win games. They have to be putting at least four goals on the board. And that's what they've done in this win streak. Seven of those last nine wins, they put up four goals or more. And that's how they have to do it. They can't scrap out wins one nothing, two one. 
even 3-2, they can't rely on those type of wins because their defensive core is not exactly what they would like it to be. But they have one of the most potent offenses in the league. And let's take a look at some of these numbers here, especially over the, over this last stretch. Austin Matthews, the, the young leader of this team, the, the American phenom child, he has played great hockey, 11 points in his last nine games. But it, goes, it gets even more and more impressive as you go down this lineup. You know, Austin Matthews uh, is expected to be the leader for this Toronto Maple Leafs team. But as you go down, it's their depth scoring that's really separating themselves as one of the best offensive units. And you'll see it. Matthews, again, 11 in his last nine. William Nylander, 12 points in his last 10. And he has been absolutely phenomenal coming into this league as a youngster as well, along with Matthews. So that has that young duo has been very exciting. But even more so, they have Mitch Marner, 13 points in his last 10 and 8 points in his last 3, had a 5-point game just a couple of games ago against the Ottawa Senators. So he's been absolutely dynamite too. And the scary thing about this is not only do they have all of these different guys that can score so many different go- so many uh, so many goals in, in so many different ways, but they're so young and their future is just looking Extremely bright. Again, Marner, 20 years old. Matthews, 20 years old. Nylander, 21 years old. And then you look at Nazim Kadri, 15 points in his last 10. So as you just go down this depth chart, it gets more and more impressive for this team. Patrick Marlowe, 6 points in his last 3. So their offense is just on fire. It's one of the best units in the league. And you continue to look down this lineup. I I don't have all the numbers in front of me right now, but I'd be willing to bet that this is the only team in the National Hockey League that has 17 scorers in double digits. I mean, you look at the talent of Austin Matthews, you expect him to have at least 60 points right now, but he's only got 47, and that's leading the team. But you got Nylander at 45 and Marner at 45, Kadri at 40. You go all the way down this line, if there's so many different guys they have nine 30-point scores right now. And again, 17 double-digit point scores. So all the way down this lineup, there there's just a lot of dangerous players. Tyler Bozak is their 10th, points, 10th leading point scorer. And at 31, that veteran, we all know what he can do. He's a dangerous weapon. Connor Brown, the young winger for this team, is only 11th in point scoring. So they just have so many different guys that can get it done. And it's very scary. Coming out of this, this Atlantic division has proven to be uh, its a top-heavy division, but one of the most dangerous divisions with Tampa Bay, Boston, and Toronto. They're, it's going to be really scary for, for the rest of this Eastern Conference to see any one of these teams late in the season and moving into the postseason just because of that explosiveness that all of these teams have, especially Tampa Bay and Toronto with with such big names but aside from that also guys down that third and fourth line that can still get the job done and that that's the recipe for success moving into the postseason so it'll be fun to watch we got the trade deadline coming up 
on February 26th, so less than two weeks away. Uh, check out PureSportsNetwork.com for our article on the trade deadline and what teams to watch. But we'll give you a brief overview right now. Toronto, we just talked about them. They're going to be, again, they're going to be looking for a defenseman moving into this trade deadline. And some of the bigger defensemen on the market right now, Ryan McDonough, is possibly going to be on that trade market. The Rangers have announced themselves as as sellers heading into the deadline. So McDonough could be one of those guys uh, on the trading block for them. And that would be the best fit, I think, for Toronto because they need a guy that, that they don't necessarily need that puck-moving defenseman like a Mike Green who's going to be on the block. Uh, Jack Johnson is a pretty solid defenseman, but... He's not that first-pairing guy that they need in Toronto. So I think Ryan McDonough is that big target they're going to want to go after. And they definitely have the weapons, like I said. They have so many different offensive weapons to be able to move to try and get a deal done with New York. They've got plenty of young players, plenty of prospects and picks to to work with. So that's what New York's going to be looking for, young players, prospects, and picks. Uh, But... They could even throw in a guy like Tyler Bozak or James Van Riemsdyk, and I don't think their lineup would be hurt too drastically. So I think that's going to be the smartest move for Toronto to try and make. Uh, New York Islanders are also going to be in the market for a defenseman, and I think they're in the same position as Toronto, honestly. I think we could see a bidding war for McDonough between the Islanders and Toronto. Not as likely that he goes to the Islanders just because... They're in the same division as the Rangers. They are obviously huge rivals uh, in that interstate rivalry in New York. So I do think the Islanders should still try to make a run at him. But if they can't get him, I think Jack Johnson would fit in just fine on that blue line from Columbus. Again, they're in division, so it could be a little dicey there. And then Mike Green would be... It would be a help for the blue line, but they need, they, again, they need a little bit more of a defensive-minded guy. Mike Green's been known to have those defensive lapses, so probably best to try to target a couple other guys first. And then maybe even if you can't get that nice defenseman that you want, go after a guy like Jimmy Howard from Detroit rather than Mike Green and try to shore up that goaltending position because they definitely have defensive problems as well as as, as goaltending problems. Uh, with the Islanders. So I think that those are going to be two of the most interesting teams to watch in terms of sellers uh, would be the Rangers and the Red Wings with all those pieces to move. And then as buyers, it will be fun to watch the Islanders and Maple Leafs as well, but also the Vegas Golden Knights because they're in a little bit of a, of a dicey spot. I think that everyone, even the front office in Vegas had anticipated them being sellers at the deadline to try to build up that arsenal of picks that they have working there in Vegas. They have something like three second-round picks in the 2019 draft, three in the 2020 draft. So they've been stockpiling picks. And I think they were looking to continue to do that at the start of the season, but now in the position they're in as one of the best teams in the Western Conference, they should be looking to bolster their lineup. And I think they could very well be in the market for a defenseman as well. So it'll be fun to see who they try to go after. But what it's going to come down to is what do they decide uh, they can give up? Because they're not in a position like the Toronto Maple Leafs to give up a current asset. I think that if you give up a guy like James Neal or David Perrone, 
who were maybe in talks of, of getting traded before they found all this success. I think if you give up one of those guys, the impact is much more significant for this Vegas team that, than it would be for you for a Maple Leafs, for a team like the Maple Leafs to give up one of their established scorers. So it's just a matter of do they risk giving up some of those picks to try and make a lineup that would be a sure Stanley Cup contender right now? Or do they hold off and make sure that they can also sustain sustain the success into the future? So it'll be fun to see what they decide to do. I'm not sure what the best possible solution is because even right now, I think they are a Stanley Cup contender. So do you risk giving up those picks just to make your chances slightly better? Or do you hold on to those picks? It's a really tough call that this front office is going to have to make. So... Those are a few of the most compelling storylines that I see going into this trade deadline. But again, for more coverage on teams like the Senators, um, as well as as the Canadians and Pacioretty, what's going on there, check out the article on puresportsnetwork.com. Also, guys like Rick Nash, who's going to be in the market for them. Uh, Go ahead and check out that article uh, up on puresportsnetwork.com to see some of those scenarios and what could happen uh, moving into the deadline. We're going to move into some recaps last night, a lot of fun action going on around the league. And we'll start with the Washington Capitals. They got a big win five, two over the Minnesota wild. And this was a pretty hot wild team that, that they had coming into. And the Capitals on the other hand were, we're sort of limping into this game with with a couple losses coming in, and they are on a absolutely crucial road trip right now. Started it in Winnipeg, they took the loss there in a very heartbreaking manner, manner for Caps fans. Uh, so they're moving into the wild, uh, game against the Wild last night. They absolutely needed to pick up a W, and they do get it. Alex Ovechkin nets his thirty fourth goal of the season again, still leading the league there. Andre Burakovsky nets his second goal in as many games. So this team, they've been very up and down lately, this Capitals team has, but they're going into a game against the Blackhawks um, tomorrow night. So that's going to be a huge game for them to try to start building some momentum and trying to get hot at the right time as we're nearing the the springtime and nearing the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, the Islanders earned their first shutout of the season against the Rangers. No better opponent for them to do it against than the Rangers. Um, And this was all about, again, their first shutout, and it was all about Yaroslav Halak. A 50-save shutout for this guy. And we've seen Halak be very, very brilliant in the past, and we've seen him be very, very shaky as well. He's a very streaky goaltender, but... Islanders fans saw the benefit to that streakiness last night as he looked like a Vesna Trophy winning goaltender last night. Again, earning that 50-save shutout. So it's a huge win for the Islanders. They are right there in contention for that second wildcard spot in the East. So that was an absolute must-win game, especially against their, their division rival, the New York Rangers. So big win for them as well. Staying in that Metropolitan Division, the Pittsburgh Penguins stay hot as they get a win against the the Kings. Dion Phaneuf 
for the Kings. Again, a little bit more trade news as we're heading into the deadline. The Kings acquired Dion Phaneuf from the Ottawa Senators in a trade involving Marion Gaborik as well as a couple other players. And Phaneuf gets his first goal as a King, so always great to see, but they're not able to get the win uh, as goals from Latang and Malkin seal the deal for Pittsburgh. Patrick Reeves also coming back for this Penguins team, and he gets a goal, so that's or, or Ryan Reeves, I should say. And that's always good to see for this Penguins team, him, him coming back into the fold. So they get a big win. They stay hot. Uh, talk, speaking of the Senators, they get an overtime win against the Sabres. Kind of a snooze fest in terms of two teams uh, bringing up the rear in the standings. Lightning, staying at the top of the standings, get a 4-1 win over the Red Wings. Uh, Predators, pretty shocking loss to the Calgary Flames last night, 4-3. Um, just not able to get it done. Pull the goalie in the last couple of minutes. They had some great A chances, but not able to quite tie the game. Matthew Kachuk has a big game with a goal, uh, as well as carding another assist. And so that's a big win for the Flames. They've been very, very streaky team as a whole. Again, with that seven-game win streak just a few weeks ago, following that up with a six-game losing streak. So they are trying to, to build a little bit more consistency there in Calgary. And how about the Arizona Coyotes getting a 5-2 win last night over the Montreal Canadiens? Always good to see them uh, get a win whenever they can muster one. So... That'll do it for our recaps from last night. Had a couple other games uh, as well if you want to check that out on, on some of the results from last night. But we'll also preview a few games for you coming up tonight. The Blue Jackets take on the Flyers in a Metropolitan Division matchup. That'll be a fun one to watch for sure. Blue Jackets have been struggling to score goals lately as the Flyers are starting to heat up again uh, and proving that they are a very uh, dangerous team in that Metro division. They've actually earned their way out of the wildcard conversation and into that top three in the Metropolitan. So I expect them to stay hot and pick up a win against Columbus on the road. And I I like the over in this game. I'm going to just tell you right now, I like the over in all four of these games tonight, looking at five and a half for every game besides the Islander game, which is at six and a half, but I still love that one. I'm going to tell you why right now. Hurricanes hosting the Islanders in Carolina. And again, it's a six and a half over under, but I still love the over. And that's because Yaroslav Halak had a 50 save shutout last night. So there's one of two scenarios that are going to be happening. It's that either Thomas Grice starts for this Islander team, and you can look at your numbers for yourself. He has been absolutely terrible this season. So it's either going to be Grice and Net, or it's going to be an absolutely worn down Yaroslav Halak. We talked about how streaky he is, so there, there's a half-decent chance he follows it up with another good performance. But again, with, after a 50-safe shutout, you expect him to be uh, absolutely gassed and not able to follow it up with that kind of performance. So either scenario, I think, plays in favor of the over. And then you got the Carolina Hurricanes, who have always done a pretty good job of putting up goals this season. Uh, their weakness has just been not able to get that goaltending as well, similar to the Islanders. So I just expect that over to hit no problem uh, in Carolina. And I like, I'm like. i going to have to say I like the Hurricanes on the road. 
tough to get two two wins in a row in back-to-back nights for the Islanders. So I'll take Carolina in the over in that one. Jets Avalanche uh, could be a fun matchup there in the Central Division in Winnipeg, uh, but I got to go with the Jets at home. Uh, Avalanche McKinnon Nathan McKinnon's looking like he could make a return any day, but I don't think it's going to be tonight. And because of that, I like Winnipeg, and again, like the over in that one at five and a half, no problem. Stars Blues, another intriguing Central Division matchup. So many good teams in the Central Division. When the Blackhawks are the worst team in your division, you know you're doing something right. So, again, Dallas hosting St. Louis. Two powerhouse teams right now, but I think Dallas is the hotter team. They have 20 wins at home, which is second best for home wins in the league. So I got to stick with the Stars at home, and they're a hot team. Both of these teams have very solid forward units. Both know how to put up goals. So I'm going to take the stars and the over in that one. And that will do it for our game previews. And that's going to wrap up the show for today as well. Thank you so much, guys, for sticking with me and listening to the entire show. I'm Thomas Robertson, and this has been episode 15 of Outside the Glass.